True Multifamily is an On Air Brands production and a proud member of the On Air Brands Network. This is True Multifamily, the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property. We're going to expose the role of asset manager. That's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision, executing the plan, and managing people, budgets, and timelines, all to deliver returns for our investors. These are the real struggles, the real victories, and the real stories of asset management. Welcome back to another episode of True Multifamily. My guest today, Josh Cantwell. Josh is a GP on over 2,700 units, guys. He's the CEO of Freeland Ventures, which is real estate and private equity. Uh, and you can check him out at freelandventures.com. But Josh today, hello, welcome, welcome, welcome. How are hey, you? Hey, Justin. I'm awesome, man. Thanks so much for having me. I'm uh, fired up to be here. I'm so excited to have you on the show, Josh. And, um, you know, we were just talking beforehand and you've got a really killer story for us. And I think our true multifamily listeners are going to absolutely love it um, because it's all about the business plan, which we stress on true multifamily. You know, the business plan, the creation and execution of that is often the missing factor in all these podcasts and all these shows about real estate. Not enough people are talking about asset management. And uh, that is really where the money is made. That's right. uh, I would love to have you just give us a quick overview on who you are and your experience, and then let's dive in and talk about this 80 unit that, that I know you're dying to yeah. share with us. Yeah, so um, so, so quick, quick uh, on me and my kind of bio. Right now, I, we manage about $40 million of private investor capital, uh, all done through Reg D offerings 506B and 506C. Uh, syndications, it's in our real estate private equity fund where we do private lending, uh, for residential and commercial multifamily investing as a first mortgage private lender. And we did that for a long time, had a lot of success with it. Uh, back in 2017, our investors started saying, hey, Josh, this is awesome. We're getting great returns. What else do you have? And uh, we partnered up with some really good friends of mine, guys that were borrowing money from me and guys that I've invested with, even guys that I mentored who had already jumped into multifamily. And uh, we started investing more in multifamily as a GP raising capital, sponsoring loans, stuff like that. And then we started becoming more of an owner operator of these apartments as well. So today we own 2,700 units of apartments as a GP. Some we are, uh, we're, we're, we're a GP, but not the boots on the ground. On other deals, we're both the syndicator, the loan sponsor, the boots on the ground, raise the money, do it all. Uh, that's what we do now. And uh, I got my start, like a lot of guys. I was a financial advisor actually, working for 100% commission. Graduated from college. My dad freaked out, Justin, when he spent hundreds of, you know, hundred thousand dollars on my education. I had student loans. I got out of college and I took a job at on a hundred percent commission. He's like, what are you doing? What did I just spend all that money for? Uh, you're going to get a job as a financial advisor. I said, dad, I am following you. You started your own business. He was in, he was in uh, employee benefits doing health insurance, life insurance, uh, disability insurance for big companies. I saw him in the financial services world and loved it. Uh, and I jumped into that. But what I realized, Justin, was my most successful clients when I was a financial planner, they didn't have all their money in the stock market. They had their biggest assets were in real estate. So I took notice, went to boot camp, started in residential. I'm not going to cover all that, but quickly over time jumped into, I knew that raising capital was my favorite thing to do and having a relationship with the money was where it was really at, having access to capital. And what I tell people is funding equals freedom. Funding not from like private lenders 
like institutional lenders or banks, but funding from true private investors, mom and pops, you know, people that can invest in your deals, whether it's residential or commercial, having a very close relationship with the money is where it's at. That's what can set you free to help you with your down payments, stroking the down money and being able to buy big deals. So that's a little bit about my background. Absolutely. I agree with all of that. Funding equals freedom. You're absolutely right. We're going to write that down already. Um, so Josh, a uh, great overview. Sounds like, sounds like you've been a little busy the yeah. last few years with all of this and, and I absolutely love it. So, so it was so, so great to meet you uh, to, to get this started. Um, but so let's, let's jump in. I've got no questions. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. All um, right, share, cool. share this story with us about this 80 unit that you're, you're working on right now. This is a real deal that's active and it doesn't get any more true than this. So, so let's go, let's hear it. Yeah, for, for sure. So, uh, so we, we got a lead to this 80 unit uh, off market through a, a commercial broker, never hit the market, you know, pre-listing, pocket listing, like a lot of deals, not on LoopNet, not anything like that. And we walked in, we walked through basically two units. That was all we could really see before we wrote the LOI and we wrote the purchase agreement. Uh, we ended up negotiating a price. Our original offer was 3.6. The guy wanted 4.5. We settled it at uh, 3.8, back and forth, back and forth, settled at 3.8, but only saw two units. Outside of the building looks fantastic. Nice brick. You know, the outside, the windows have been updated. The slider doors have been updated. A lot of the uh, outside HVAC systems have been updated, but we only saw two units. So we went in thinking, okay, we're going to turn all 80 units. We can put maybe uh, you know, three to $4,000 in each unit, maybe a small update, a lot of LVP paint, maybe updating some of the kitchens and bathrooms, but not, not, that, that, not that big of a turn. And then set aside some money for the point of sale violations, some, some exterior. So 250,000 was the budget. We agree on a price. We're going to, we're going to about to do our walkthrough. So walkthrough happens. The broker had never seen the inside of all the units before. And we had not seen the oh, no. units either. <laughs> oh boy, nobody's now, been inside of this thing. Nobody's been inside all eight. Probably the owner either, right? <laughs> right. Well, the owner was super hands-on. He's been okay. a really good operator, but we found really hasn't put a nickel into the bathrooms, the kitchens, the carpet, the paint for probably five to 10 years, maybe longer. So we start getting in, we start walking through the units and you know how it is, Justin, you're knocking in, you're like knocking on the door, maintenance, maintenance. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Gotta get in the units. So people are warned, of course, we're doing the walkthrough. Half of people didn't pay attention to the sticker on their door two days ago that we were doing a walkthrough. So we start banging on doors and walking in. And we walk through a unit, Justin, our main thing we're looking for is plumbing. So we're inspecting all the, the sinks, the toilets, the showers. We're looking for overhead to see if we see that there's any leaks overhead. This was uh, is 40 units of, uh, of one ones on the first floor and then 40 units of two ones and three ones that are on the second floor that have the bedrooms on the third floor. You see what I'm saying? So, uh, the, so upstairs, what we're looking for is, are there any leaks in the bathrooms and the upstairs bathrooms that are leaking down into the, to the uh, base of the living rooms? Mm -hmm. So we start walking through units and it's, it, you know, that's where it gets interesting, as you know, doing walkthroughs. So yeah. we had everything happen to us from people not showing and, you know, we, you know, so we easily get into the unit. We knock on the door, knock on the door. Hey, maintenance, we're coming in. We walk in. We had other units where a woman who was firmly aware we were coming in, knocked on the door, knocked on the door. She's not answering. We walk in. She comes storming off of her porch that's oh, off no. the back. Oh, and she says, hey, you're not supposed to be in here. I said, well, hey, we 
told everybody we were going to do an inspection today. We're looking for, you know, plumbing leaks. She says, I don't want you in my unit. I've got a gun. Oh boy. So we leave. He's elevating it already. Oh my yeah, goodness. So we leave. Uh, we got another unit, knock on the door, knock on the door. No answer, no answer. We can hear the radio. Knock on the door. I walk in. Maintenance, maintenance, we're coming in. Dude comes running out of the bathroom naked. And you're like, dude, I, didn't want, I don't want to see that. Yeah. We told you we were coming in. I know. So he ends up storming out, throws some shorts on, goes and complains. I'm like, dude, trust me. The last thing I want to do is walk in on another naked man. Right. <laughs> so, so, but what we're realizing is um, we basically got three columns on our sheet, Justin. When you walk through, I'm not sure what your due diligence process is, but we know every unit we're going to paint, every unit, their carpet, we're going to put in LVP. We know that. What we're really looking for is now is for active leaks. We're also looking to see if the tenant is dirty. Like, is this a tenant that we really want to keep? So leaks... And if the tenant's dirty, right? That's a big, are we going to keep that tenant or not? Are we going to have to do plumbing or not? Mm-hmm. So what we're, we're walking through and it's me, my rehab project manager, one of my partners and the commercial agent that's in the middle of the deal. We're walking through every unit. We walk out. We're like, that unit's dirty. Tenant's got to go active leak, full turn. Walk into the next unit. That unit's dirty. Tenant's got to go active leak, full turn. So what are Original plan of $250,000 is starting to grow and grow and grow and grow. And all of a sudden we're thinking, okay, there's 80 units here. It's not going to be $3,000 a unit. It's going to be more like $7,500 a unit. Our budget went from $250,000 to about 600 grand of, and this is not, you know, making this the Taj Mahal. We're realizing that the owner has not improved the bathrooms their original bathrooms from the 1980s. We still have like the old yellow yeah. subway tile, yep. not yep. like the cool white subway tile, but right. the old yellow Faded. from like 1987. Yeah. The, the, the kitchens, we find that there's about 30 or 40 of the kitchens have an active leak because the bathrooms are on top. The second floor bathrooms are on top of the kitchens. And we're like, every single one of those seems to have patching on in the kitchen roofs, the kitchen ceilings, because there's a leak in almost every upstairs, either bathtub or sink or toilet. And okay, so now we've got issues with, we know we're gonna have to get in. So we're thinking, how do we make this deal work now, right? We're walking out and we look to the broker and we say, look, I'm not gonna give his name away because actually the deal's closing next week. I'm not sure when you're gonna put this out, but I say to the broker, I said, look, I think we all walked in here knowing that this need would be updated, but can we agree that every single one of these bathrooms and kitchens are original? And he says, yes. So Justin, you have, you have to immediately kind of plant the seed in a yeah. cool way mm-hmm. to say, I don't really want to retrade this deal, but the only way it's going to work is if we retrade this deal and figure it out. So walk out. It's like, okay. Um, we, we had one woman with a gun. We had another guy that was very, very skeptical, wouldn't let us in the unit. The unit smelled like marijuana. It was like 10, 10, 10 in the morning, so the dude's already smoking dope. We had another unit with a naked guy. It's like, all right, man, and we got to retrade it. So the, the morning was rough. We thought, hey, man, we have to walk away from this building. We really don't yeah. want to walk away from it. Because yeah, some of those are deal killers, right? Uh, and, you know, each yeah. one individually, not so bad. Okay, there's an extra leak here or there. You know, some of the units need a little more. But when you come in and every unit needs that and your budget balloons by two times as much, 
um, especially on a deal that's only 80 units. I mean, that's, yeah. it's going to kill that deal. It's going to kill, you know, you've got to put now come in with hundreds of thousands of dollars more and the returns are just not going to be there. That's right. That's right. So we started thinking, okay, how can we get creative? We called up our commercial lender, who's also an analyst. And we say, look, man, we're going to have to retrade this deal. So we actually go back to the seller and the broker and we ask them for a $250,000 retrade off the price. And the broker jumps all over us. Absolutely not. No way. The seller's never going to go for this. Very, very aggressive response. And we're like, hey, didn't we agree when we walked the property two days ago that none of us expected to walk these units and every single unit to be in original condition? All of these new, need new paint and carpet. We know that. We're not even going to do carpet. We're going to harden the asset. We're going to do LVP. But you've got original cabinets and countertops from 1990. You've got original bathrooms from 1980 or 90. There's leaks everywhere. And we're not even talking about the major systems. We haven't even been on the roofs yet. We haven't even cameraed the sewers yet. So this is just the units. And if we're going to pay this price, we've got to be able to work. So the seller's painted himself in a little bit of a corner because He's owned the property for 27 years. He's out of his depreciation schedule. He's going to start paying taxes next year. And he's got to sell the building and do a 1031, or this becomes a negative return on investment for him. So he's got to sell the building this year and, 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 and do a 1031, or he's in real trouble. So we get on the phone. We make the offer. They come back and say, look, we're only going to retrade $50,000 and uh, another $5,000 for the exterior point of sale. So they offer $55,000 retrade. Wow. We asked for 250, they asked for 55, and they say, absolutely not, that's as far as we're going. They're very aggressive saying, we're not gonna go back, we're not gonna cut, cut it down anymore. Like, okay, so we gotta make this work, we're pretty firm. If, if we retry to continue retrade, they're gonna back out and we're gonna lose the asset. So how can we well, make this and thing the seller work? also, um, that you got this deal before it went on the market. So they hadn't even tested. So I'm sure the seller and the broker are talking like, well, let's just put this on the market and, and see what, what the next guy comes back with. And you know, they, exactly. they do have options uh, as far as availability. It's not like you were the last guy and the only one to make an offer. You were really the first one to make an offer. Um, so, so I'm sure that that plays uh, mind games with you as well, as far as they can always just go put this back on the market. So you have to figure out how, how do you make this work? Because you've got an opportunity. Everyone wants that off-market deal that hasn't been put on the market um, and, and do, hasn't had 100 buyers through there. So, right. so you, I know that feeling. You, you want to capitalize on it. Uh, and, you, and you have to figure out how to be creative and move forward. And as you know, Justin, in this market, because of COVID, a lot of the uh, bridge financing uh, in the market is evaporated and disappeared because they can't sell that on the secondary market. There's nobody buying that paper. So really the only financing games in town is Fannie and Freddie. So right now, if you find a deal, it's really got to be close to that 90% occupancy to qualify for a Fannie Freddie loan. This is one of those deals that did that, that we love to buy deals that are at 70 or 80% occupancy. We've even done deals where we kicked out every tenant yeah. on smaller deals, yeah. but that won't work in today's environment because no. you can't get bridge financing. So it, it's a little tougher to find You know, those deals are at 90% occupancy, but still have room for value add improvements. This is one of those deals that fit that category. So we wanted to make it work. So what do we do? Well, here's where you've just got to get really detailed, putting basically, you know, pen to paper, 
spreadsheets and figuring out what is your real game plan going to be. So original plan was to improve every unit. Now we're going in and saying, okay, let's look at each unit mix. Let's look at the one ones. Let's look at the two ones. Let's look at the three ones, which specifically are the furthest under market value. And what we immediately identify is the one ones are about $150 rent under market value. They're the smallest units. They're going to be the quickest turns. And okay, if we can spend more money just on the one ones, can we turn most of the one ones and get our rent bumps in order to achieve a recapitalization in our first refinance? Yeah. That became immediately what we started to focus on. And we said, okay, then we started to say, okay, what, what about the three ones and the two ones? And we really looked hard and said, well, the two ones are the closest to, to market rent. They're about $50 under market rent. The three ones are, are, are about $100, $125 under market rent. So we really started to hone in on the, on the one ones and the three ones and kind of leaving the two ones alone because we couldn't achieve as big of a bump there. So the thought was, okay, we've got about seven or eight vacant units. We know we're going to kick out a certain number of tenants. Let's specifically dial in the plan to kick out, uh, to uh, improve the seven or eight that are vacant, immediately focus on those because they're vacant and fill those up. Then let's specifically look at the one, one uh, unit mix and the tenants that we know that are not taking care of these units that are dirty, that are just not respectful of the building. And let's kick them out and focus on the one ones and turn those. And so we really started to hone in on a plan where let's turn 40 units instead of 80 and see if we can achieve enough of a rent bump to refinance. And that became the plan. And that actually is the plan. We're closing on this building next week. That is the plan. So we thought, hey, what are all the levers, Justin, that we could pull? Can we maybe not take an acquisition fee or an asset management fee? Can we... Uh, set aside money for our, our prep return for investors. And we started to identify where are some places. Then we looked at, okay, let's get real nitty gritty with the rent and security deposit prorations. Let's look at the real estate tax prorations and some money that we're going to get back at the closing that we didn't really account for before. And all of a sudden the total dollars available to us with less units to improve became larger. And now we've made up a new plan to say, okay, we're going to do 40 units at 7,000 a unit is $280,000. Remember our original budget, Justin was 250. Yep. Now we're at 280. We got a little bit of a retrade. So we've got $55,000 more to work with on top of the 250. So we got 250 to work with plus 55. We got 305 to work with. And those rent prorations, real estate tax prorations is another $90,000 that we should get as a credit on the, on the closing statement. So that's 305 plus 90. So now we're able to kind of beef up that potential dollars to work on the deal all the way up to 395,000 bucks. Absolutely. Okay? Love it. So those by getting less unit turns, focus on the units where we could improve them. They're smaller units. They're quicker to turn bump the rents the most and really getting nitty gritty with the retrade and those dollars that we could prorate. Now we've got almost $400,000 to work with. So now that's the plan. Turn 40 units, invest about 7,000 a unit. Plus we're going to turn all the bathrooms. Okay. Every single bathroom because okay. that's okay. the biggest point of risk 
is the leaks in those bathrooms, especially when the bathrooms are on the top floor and leaking down into the kitchens. So that became the new plan for us. We want to still make the deal work. The seller and the broker are super happy because we're still involved. They know, you know, we have a big balance sheet. We can close. They don't have to like remarket the property. So it's going to work out for everybody. But the plan went from turning 80 units to 40 and really focusing on those one ones. Wow. What, <laughs> what a story. Oh my goodness. Uh, Josh, I have so many questions about everything that, that and, and thank you for taking us step by step because it's so rare that we hear this due diligence process described in such detail. Um, and guys, go back and listen to that again and again because there are so many great things that I wrote down uh, because you're, the, the way that you broke down the DD process here with the physical inspection is, is really important. Um, so you said that you, you brought a few people with you to do the due diligence. Did you, mm -hmm. I wanna ask you a few very technical questions. Did you, what are you recording this information on? Do you have tablets? Do you have a notebook? Uh, I think you said a three column sheet. What, mm -hmm. what is it that, how are you capturing all this information? Yeah, so this is very, very basic. Everybody can do this. Uh, what we did was I had my virtual assistant and my executive assistant work together to take every single unit and put them into a Google spreadsheet, a Google Drive. Perfect. And um, what we basically did was we put the seller's name. We looked at every single lease when we were looking through all the leases. Um, I'm actually going to bring this up on my other screen so I can describe the columns to you. I'll bring this up real fast. And so we literally just put this together. So we had the unit number, first column, unit type, whether it was a one, one, two, one, three, one, the unit square footage, the name of the tenant. And then we looked at every single application and we looked at their employment history. So we put that. So when we knew we walked into the unit, we could also identify tenant and employment, tenant and job. Do they have a job? Are they maybe, you know, a veteran? Are they retired? Then market. Are you asking them? Are you asking the tenants that while you're in there? No, but when we were in some of the units and the tenants were there, we would kind of strike up a conversation mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, uh, what do you do for work? You know, just I'm, I'm just the maintenance guy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm just here to inspect the plumbing. Oh, how are you doing your home? Oh, did you just get home from work? You know, are, are you on your way getting ready for work? You know, we tried to find out kind of stealthily during the inspection if people were home because they didn't have a job or if they were home because maybe they were off of their shift. Right. You know, I, I tried to, and I started writing those notes down. So yeah, we weren't really asking them, are you employed but in a <laughs> right. healthy way, you know, right. trying to find out yeah. if they had a job or not. And, and I just want to point out for those listening that especially right now through COVID, that's very important because uh, you might have on the lease that they're employed by such and such. And you can, so you can do a full lease audit, but if they've lost their job, as many people have over the last few months, um, you may not know that. And so you, that might be someone that, that could struggle to pay rent and uh, you, you, you kind of want to know. So I, I like your approach there. Mm -hmm. um, you're getting the information without being too overt and um, too blatant about it. Yep. You bet. So just real quick on the spreadsheet. So then we have the market, the mark, the current rent versus what we thought the market rent was. That's one of the columns. Then we had the move in date and then the lease expiration. And about 60 of these units out of 80 are actually month to month. These tenants have been here for well over a year. Matter of fact, one of the tenants is still here from 1991. Um, Original. All right. Yeah. The guys had a, done a great job of keeping tenants for a long time. Um, then we actually again looked at each folder during our due diligence. We looked at every file and we found the three day notices. So we have a column. So of all the three day notices, now this, this seller, Justin, he is an absolute beast 
day one, rent is due. Day three, if you don't pay. On day four, you're not only getting a late fee, but you're getting a three-day notice on your door. And he's been a total animal about this for 27 years. So some people have like 20 three-day notices in their file, but they're current on the rent. Yeah. which just means they might pay four days late or 10 days late, but they always pay. Okay. So we had that column. Yeah. Then we had the unit plan. So the unit plan for us was, okay, it's a one bed. We're going to improve the unit, spend $7,000 and raise the rent 150 bucks. Then the last couple columns were the most important, which was as we walked out of the unit, we would reconvene in the lobby and say, are we keeping this tenant or removing them? Okay. Is it a full turn or a half turn? And is the tenant clean or dirty? And then are there any leaks? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was it. So we just walked in. What I did is I took the spreadsheet and I simply printed it off. I gave a copy to my, my business partner. I gave a copy to our rehab project manager and the three of us divided and conquered. So uh, we would go onto a floor. Tyler would take a unit. Tim would take a unit and I would take a unit. Bang, bang, bang. Maintenance coming in. And then the guys would step out of the lobby. We're going to keep that tenant. It's a full turn. The, the unit's clean. We're going to remove that tenant. It's a full turn. The tenant's dirty. So we got through that after the first couple of units and some of the shock from the naked guy and the, and some of the dirty and the, the, the lady with the gun and all that, we were able to steam steamroll through the other, you know, 75 or 80 units pretty fast. That's great. That's great. Um, and then the last part of your story is about adjusting the business plan. And so, you know, you, you went, you have this mindset going in of we're going to redo everything and, and top to bottom, 3,000, 4,000 a door, we're good to go. Um, so I love that you were able to reevaluate and you, you focused on really, it goes back to like that 80 20 rule, right? Where do we put most of our funds and attention to get that most uh, bang for the buck? And, uh, mm -hmm. and that's great. So the one ones um, you're going to focus on. You're going to really invest heavily, but I do love that you said for the other units, it's not that we're ignoring them. It's that we have to focus on the plumbing because that is the biggest problem in those right. units. And not only is the problem for those units, but for the downstairs units that you're going to go renovate as well, right? Because those twos and threes are on top of the ones and we don't want water leaks coming down. That's right. When you say you're going to redo the bathroom. Can you just talk, uh, you know, tactically, what, what is it when you say I'm going to redo a bathroom um, that you're actually doing to that bathroom? Sure. Absolutely. It's very, very simple, very specific. So new vanity. So first of all, we'll demo the bathroom out, throw out the vanity, throw out the toilet, throw out the mirror, gone. We're going to chip down all of that old yellow subway tiles got to go. Okay. Because we're going to have to get behind, especially in the bathtubs, we're going to have to get behind that subway tile anyway to identify where the leak is. So if you're going to chip out all of the tile that's right in front of that plumbing, right where all your shower faucets and, and, and uh, or where the faucets are at, you're going to have to get behind that anyway to identify the leak. So we thought if we're going to chip down that tile, let's just chip down all the tile. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to get behind the bathtub, pull that tile off, fix the plumbing leaks that are back there because those haven't been touched or haven't, they haven't done a good job of fixing those. We're going to save and reglaze the tub we're going to then put back the thing back together after we fixed the, uh, the plumbing, we're going to change all the faucets. We're going to put in uh, a new tub surround. Okay. And we're going to put in new shower head. That is uh, part of a water conservation program. Uh, we're going to make sure that all those uh, fixtures work. 
We're going to put in a new vanity. We're going to put in a low flow toilet. We're going to put in a new uh, mirror and medicine cabinet. And then we're going to put an LVP flooring at the floor. Okay. So you are so, doing flooring just in that bathroom. So that's going to be LVP in the bathroom, no matter what flooring is in the rest of the unit. That's exactly right. Yeah. Great. So they might have like the nicest bathroom, but the rest of the unit unturned. Yeah. But that's going to save us the risk of not being able to, you know, the risk of having a leak that goes back yeah. into our, our kitchen. So, yeah. and do you know offhand about what that unit a bathroom renovation will cost? Yeah. So, so the budget for the, the 280 full unit turn. So imagine 40 of the units full turn, $7,000. So that's $280,000. The other uh, 40, we have, uh, the, I'm sorry. Yeah. The other 40 units that we have set aside, we're, we're going to just do the bathrooms only and probably spend about 2,500 to $3,000 per bathroom. Okay. So we don't need to turn all the bathrooms though yeah. in order to refinance. Right. We're going to turn those bathrooms. We're going to identify, again, there's about 10 to 15 bathrooms right away that we know that there's leaks that we've already identified and written down in our due diligence. We're going to attack those for sure. And then we'll eventually get to the other bathrooms over the next two years. But the goal is turn those first 10 to 15 bathrooms. So the 40 full turns and the 10 to 15 bathrooms right off the rip. Wow. Love it. I love this. Such a great insight into the business planning and adjusting your plan on the fly and goes to show the importance of due diligence from the underwriting, sitting at your computer to actually being there at the property, seeing the tenants, talking to the tenants, seeing how they treat their units. Um, so much great information here, Josh. Uh, We're going to move on. We have to move on. This has already been a supersized episode. Yeah. I love it. So much detail. Um, Josh, where can the listeners of True Multifamily find out more about you and your podcast and your company and everything you have going on? Yeah, perfect. Just one spot, freelandventures.com. Go visit our website, freelandventures.com. You'll see everything there from our podcast to my books to our coaching and a bunch of our deal flow. Um, freelandventures.com is the spot. Awesome. Well, Josh, I hope you come back. I know you will. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your story here. Absolutely, Justin. Thanks for inviting me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show. And if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community, and you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily. I'm really, really proud to have this show produced by our company, On Air Brands. Check us out at onairbrands.com. We also have an incredible, unique podcasting event that we would love for you to be a part of. Check that out at podmax.co.